Welcome to A Gamer's Story. I'm Noah Geekus, avid fan of gaming and gamers alike. Each episode will feature in-depth conversations with gamers from all areas of gaming. Have you ever wondered about the actual gamers themselves? Their motivations? Their home lives? Their quirks? Just how much time they actually spend gaming? And their thoughts on the future of gaming itself? Join me as I ask them just these questions. Are you ready? I'm very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode of A Gamer Story, Kenton Hansen, Product Director at Roll20, the leading online source for playing tabletop games online. Roll20 acts as a virtual tabletop while you digitally play games such as Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. First of all, hello Kenton. I'm really excited to talk to you about your role in product development in the virtual tabletop gaming industry. Are you ready? I'm so ready. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you're a product director, but what's your background and how did you get started in gaming? Gaming um, was kind of an accident. When I was, uh, I mean, I've always enjoyed games and I'm sure we're going to dig into some questions there. But when I was younger, I really got excited about business and about how um, entrepreneurship works and like starting companies. And looked at that as like a puzzle that was interesting to figure out. So um, that's what I went to school for. And that's what uh, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I started my freshman year in college with a, with a uh, declared major of uh, business administration with a focus in entrepreneurship at uh, you know, a school that was pretty highly ranked that just happened to be in my backyard. And so that's how I got into product development and the idea of like finding a market of people who were interested in, in trading their money for something that they really wanted that I created. I, I love that whole process. And, and it felt like a puzzle and it was entertaining to me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think when you really find a passion you like, it, it can definitely guide your uh, parts of your life and your career and stuff. Yeah. And I don't like play many tabletop games, which is why this is a really interesting interview for me. Cool. I love... Uh, I have loved board games for a really long time. Like e- even before the whole resurgence, maybe like 10 years ago, the the first game I remember playing is Shoots and Ladders, right? Which is a classic that we all know. And then there's another one I'm pretty sure it's called Enchanted Forest that we played all the time in my family. And like, this is like, I was six or seven years old, not, not, not even first grade yet when we started playing it. And it, it was fun and entertaining for the whole family, but I loved I love that about uh, a, a tabletop board game um, or even, you know, like a party game. Those are um, level set, right? Like it doesn't matter if it's a six-year-old and a, you know, 106-year-old. Everybody can kind of play and have fun uh, together at the same same activity. Yeah, you just reminded me. The one, like, board game I used to play as a kid that I used to love was, like, Candyland. And I would play mm-hmm. that with my dad, and we would just have the best time. It was just so hilarious. Yeah. And, like, it, it, we, it, we would just be playing for fun. And, like, sometimes we still play just for, like, just to bring back the old memories, mm-hmm. nostalgia and stuff. But, like, Candyland was, like, it was, like, the game for us. Like, it was yeah. amazing. It was so much fun. It was just luck. So where do virtual tabletop games fit into the gaming world? That's a really interesting question, and 
it's actually a, a piece of the piece of the work that I do every day that um, isn't really like well-defined either. Like th this is a thing that changes often and um, the world is changing and has changed and will continue to change. There is a really interesting place where especially tabletop role-playing games exist within the world uh, of gaming and um, they satisfy a really interesting need of like being able to be structured right like there, there's a rule set around the entire game but at the same time it can be completely off structure and the thing you were talking about with Candyland, of like you know it, it is just luck but you get to a certain point and the stakes are really high and someone pulls the card that's just really unlucky or really lucky and it makes the game um, when you're dealing with dice rolls right which is uh, or essentially random number generation and it just happens that the physical way we generate random numbers is with dice and it can go really well or it can go really poorly and that is predetermined right like good or bad there's one one way that it's going to happen but when you've got the other party like the the game uh manager the person who's running the game and actually doing the thing that they can use their creativity to make it more exciting on the other end you just get this building action that's so incredible you know one like, there's been a few times, and I know you asked about virtual, and I'll get there in a second, but where I've been playing with, with my friends, and something will happen, and it's kind of crazy, and like I'll, I'll push my luck, and then the person running the game will push their luck, and I'll never forget when my character named Vidanya rolled off the edge of a floating island, and I had to make, uh, I, had to make I think it was like 63 d6 rolls to figure out how much damage i would take and I, like everyone on the table was like oh don't forget you've got this bonus and don't forget you've got that thing and i you know we didn't have 63 d6 so i'm like rolling over and over again and we're keeping track of the map and it came down to like three three hit points and like she just made it and everyone like everyone around the table was cheering and like yeah oh my gosh i can't and like okay what do you do what do you do now that you've fallen all these feet yeah so much fun and and the so that happened around a table, right? Like that was all physically together. You asked about virtual. I think when we talk about tabletop role playing games, that's where that that kind of falls into the slice of everything, right? This this uh, unique thing that doesn't happen when a game mechanic is just set. When we talk about it in virtual realms, that is that's the same thing that exists, right? Like that same mechanic is there. And with the internet and, you know, our connected technologies that we have today, it really changes the ability to do that. You know, the co-founders of Roll20 started Roll20 because they moved far away from each other. And the fact that I can do this with, you know, uh, on Tuesday, I played with uh, people all around the United States because we knew each other. We worked together at different times and we've introduced each other. We could kind of keep this group rolling right like this group of friends can stay connected because we have this game we play together yeah i think that online is definitely is definitely gonna it's gonna be interesting because while D D or uh, tabletop games are are meant to be physical if you can get the correct connection online it can really work out for people who are separated and stuff so and, and then even game stores did this sometimes. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool, both in like keeping old relationships or the relationships that you know you had existing for a while, but also 
and you know when you when you go into an open room or you just go into a casual game of, of any video game that's multiplayer and you uh, you find a team or a teammate or individual that you kind of work well together with you know you're, you're healing a dps really well and it's like hey stick with me and we'll you know we'll keep playing and you you end up making friends in the same way that you would like at the playground or or you know at the co- coffee shop of, of people that you can find in that interest it's just you remove the physical boundaries around that that's so cool um i mean it, we live in the future right like we really live in the future so yeah, that, that's what interests me. I think that since years ago, we couldn't converse with without actually just going over to each other and talking. And now we are not only conversing through mobile phones, which are just go in your pocket and you just pick them up and tap a few buttons and now you're talking to someone. My, my grandfather, uh, and this was... Mm, this was early 90s when he said this, but we had an NES, original NES system, just hooked up to our, our giant TV in the living room. And my brother and I were sitting there playing, like, uh, probably Mega Man 3 or River City Ransom. And he was just like, if you would have told me that my grandchildren would be hitting buttons on one box connected to a bigger box connected to a bigger box with a picture on it, I would not have believed you, you know. And, and I mean, that's just... That's just the guy that, uh, you know, got me Christmas presents. That's, that's not too far away. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I, I mean, it's just insane, especially the fact that, that we can form a connection online. Like, you don't even have to know the person anymore. So what's the goal of your business and what service does it provide? So Rule 20 exists to uh, let players connect across boundaries, right? That's that's in our, our mission statement. I think that that's something we all think about every day. We, we are, as a group, very excited about making sure people can play the games that they want to play. And, you know, the platform itself is built to be or a game agnostic, right? Like, we don't care what game you want to play. We give you the basic tools to set that game up. And at the same time, we want to make it easier for play to happen, really. So um, we, we take that platform and then we extend it and, and build uh, other, other pieces of software on top of it to make playing specific games um, even easier. We, we love to work with publishers and especially publishers who are new or exciting or marginalized in order to magnify their games and uh, the, the play experiences that they design that's a, a big focus of what we do, you know, not just, not just sometimes, but like every day. That's something that there are groups of people who are just focused on that inside World 20. So here's my real question. How are you able to offer the games for free? I, I, wanted, I want the audience to know that they can go join and create an account for, for absolutely free. But yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this might be the most boring answer I can, I can give, but I'm going to try to make it exciting. Every business is set up with like a model, right? Like uh, in, in order to run a business, and this is product development type stuff talking. So I love to talk about it and I love, I think it's exciting. Uh, I think 99% of the population of the globe would find this uh, exceptionally boring. So I'm going to zip through it. But I also want you to know, I, I find, I know it might be boring. There are different kinds of business models that can offer something for free. You know, big social networks are typically completely free to sign up because the product that they're selling that they actually make money from is the information that you voluntarily give them. So uh, every time you post or post a picture or whatever on a social network, 
they learn something about you, and then they can get an advertiser, somebody who wants to sell something uh, connected to you. That's not something that Roll20 does specifically. What we are is a freemium model is what it's called. Um, so it's like a free premium put together. You get this freemium word. You can play a really fun game on Roll20 for months, uh, years, spend six hours a week on, on Roll20 with your friends, pay, never pay any money, and really get some good enjoyment out of it, right? It would it, it would it would cost you, you know, just, just spitballing here, it would it would cost $120 to get the stuff that a physical the physical stuff to do what you can do on Roll20 for absolutely free. And we love that, right? Most most of the people who get onto Roll20 create an account for free, play for free, and, and that's great. We're all about that. What we do is build additional tools on top of that free experience that are, um, you know, make it easier to play the games, make it easier to understand the games, make it more immersive to play the games. And then we charge a small amount for those. And that's how uh, we're able to play. Uh, we're, we're able to offer everything for free. The, the amount of people who do pay and the value that it creates for a, lar- a large chunk of people is good enough that they're willing to pay that it subsidizes everyone else. And this isn't like, this is kind of an interesting thing from, from technology companies. This freemium idea came out a long time ago and, and people have been using it for software as a service in that way. But what I find really interesting is that's kind of how uh, tabletop role-playing games work too. You had one person, right, who would get excited about the thing and they would buy the books and they would learn it and they'd put in all that investment up front, both in time and money. And then they would bring in their players who could essentially experience it for, like, have the fun at no cost um, to themselves until they decided that they, they wanted to contribute or, you know, in, I always encourage people to do like a, uh, well, you bought the books, I'm going to bring the pizza and uh, you're going to bring the soda and you're going to bring the chips or whatever, right? Like everyone contributes in some way. But so to answer your question, that's how we do it for free. It's called freemium. Uh, you know, lots of people, people use it and we just uh, were able to put tabletop role-playing games together with a uh, technology service. Yeah. I can definitely appreciate the fact that you're, uh, that you're selling this product for free, which is incredible and not only that i feel like you're definitely applying yourself to the market correctly considering that a lot of times mobile games are free and sometimes people just want to want to just go to the the cheapest option to get enjoyment right mm-hmm. so they just won't pay for like real video games and they're like i don't really want to spend money on this so mobile phone get a free game and let's just play that right so name some of the games you offer. You can just like some of the ones you remember. Yeah, so we, we've talked a lot about D&D. Call of Cthulhu is one that's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a horror type game that's, um, that's different for sure. Uh, Pathfinder is another one. That, and then Starfinder along with that. So Pathfinder is like fantasy. Starfinder is sci-fi. And uh, let me go the the Fate games, uh, the games that are produced by a publisher called Evil Hat. Some of my favorites. Um, they Blades in the Dark is a good one. Which like, let me just give you the setup here. You're a, a company of thieves and rogues, and you're stuck in a steampunk Victorian city. But instead of steam, everything is powered by essentially demon juice, uh, and you can't leave the city because there's this dome of energy that no one can cross. Like, 
that's in the first sentence. Yes, sign me up. That sounds like fun. And uh, then Fate and some other games uh, along that, with that from Evil Hat are, are a lot of fun to play. Uh, I really love a game called Fiasco, which is like basically you you it's a group tele- storytelling game instead of having a whole lot of role mechanics and like you know okay I want to hit this character and I roll the dice and then okay you do hit and I get point how many hit points do you take away from them those kinds of things it's much more about like this is the thing I want to do and then someone else at the table tells a story about that there's someone forgetting Dune is one that just came out um, uh, that we we started we converted and started selling and oh now i'm forgetting uh but those are the ones off the top of my head for sure and of course we have you know board and card games too fun fun party games monster uh monstrosity is one that was uh it's really really fun really creative and entertaining and just a a big laugh um for sure i think overall you named um some good games and i think that that explains itself really i you guys offer games, your gaming service. So I that, that whole list is available too at uh, Roll20.net. There's there's so many more games. I I did a terrible disservice. Those are just the ones that I really like to play. So absolutely. So I see that you're creating a community within the members. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you want to increase the subscriber base? Yeah. So Roll20 started as a Kickstarter almost ten years ago. It, it was uh, very early in the Kickstarter like thing that that whole idea wasn't uh, uh, it was still very new and what it formed was a, a group of people who were very interested in the success of, of the platform as a whole for a lot of reasons right but you know as you mentioned the the free reason and um, lots of reasons I guess is what I'm saying. But in, in creating a, a place that was um, specifically geared towards playing the kinds of games that you wanted to play in in a time where it was still niche, you know, and it wasn't widely accepted. The, like, tabletop role-playing games were a thing that lots of adults did um, in, in much the way that right now it is, for sure, uh, and a lot of the cultural shift that, that's happened around all that over the last, let's say, five or six years. It, it wasn't the same. And so you really had to look hard for the, the people who wanted to do that. Yeah. At the time. And then community is about knowing the people you want to be in the community, as well as the knowing, knowing who, who does, who isn't in your community. Right. And, and that's okay to say like, uh, this person wants to play a game differently than I do. And that's fine for them to do it, but I want to focus on playing the game that I want to play. That That's wonderful. And, by creating a space for that, uh, that's really how the community really grew. I think that community is something that I've talked about a few times on uh, this podcast. And mm-hmm. I think that it's so important. Um, I think that having an accepting community is one of the most incredible things that you can have because it welcomes you into whatever you're doing. Yeah, anti-gatekeeping. That's... that's uh, my motto, right? Like, open the doors and let people in, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that that's the same for everything. If there's a great community behind it, anything can be accepted and and just... And you can join something and feel accepted in it. And that's, that's incredible. And that was incredible. one of the things... 
uh, that that the Roll Twenty community really had too. I, I, and I mean, Roll Twenty is not a simple software, right? Like it, it's it's can do a whole lot, and because it can do a whole lot, it has complexity built into it. And the the community around Roll Twenty that that aren't employees, right? Uh, we, we call them forum champions, but even the people who aren't labeled as forum champions, right? They're they're in in the community talking to people, answering questions that come up. And there's nothing that's more powerful than that, right? Like getting people who have in that same way, right? Like the MTG uh, app got you, you were already interested in it and it, it got you because someone was willing to talk about it. I think that that's um, the most powerful aspect of, of like advertisement or referral in any way. Yeah. And I, I think with that, with that story comes like, I, now I play that game fairly often. Right. I think I played it like two days ago. So now when I'm playing, if there's a newer player, I'll be able to pass that down to them, and that creates this whole chain. You know, in school they always tell you like, oh, if you do an act of kindness to this guy, then this guy will do an act of kindness to them. That, that it's kind of the same thing, but with like with like a community. If you help someone, they'll probably help the next person in the line because you help them. Yeah. So, um, what made you focus on the side of e-learning environment, gaming, gaming side of e-learning environment? Sorry. Well, I, I mean, for me, it was, yeah. Do you mean me personally or do you mean Roll20 as a whole? Oh, you personally. Yeah. So don't tell anybody. Okay. But it's kind of accidental. I knew about Roll20 and be, it was, it was actually a, a Kickstarter from the state that I'm in. Uh, that's where it was really originally started. The co-founders went to Kansas university, which is, you know, two hours north of me right now. So it, it was around in the community and I knew about it. But even at that time during the Kickstarter, I didn't really play any tabletop role-playing games particularly. Like there was, there were two times when I was a kid and like really young, uh, eight years old or so that I had, I had played with some friends, but we didn't really play. I just knew like, oh, this has a cool idea. But I had, I had, you know, I was talking about uh, original Nintendo Entertainment System, right? That was my first gaming system. And that that was a thing that I always liked to do. I liked playing games. I liked uh, board games. I, and and it's kind of silly, uh, but I'll, I'll own it. Stranger Things, right? Like that came on uh, Netflix. And we, my family and I, like the, the three of us, we binged that entire thing in about a day and a half. Like we went the entire way through season one, just like, do you want to watch another one? Yeah, I want to watch another one. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's get drink refills and I'll meet you back here in five minutes, right? And at that point, I I got into I got into my friend group and I was like, okay, has anyone seen Stranger Things? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, we should play a game together. And so uh, we, we did, right? We, we set it up and the first place we went with somebody's office and it was terrible, right? Like uh, it was one of the friends, uh, like uh, everybody has small apartments or like families around and how we, uh, we'll we'll go to somebody's office and the building had shut the air conditioner off. It was like 85 degrees in there. There, The bathroom was locked. So we had to walk a block down the street to a convenience store. It was a terrible experience. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way to do this and like easier to schedule. And I remember Roll20. And so that is like, the first time that I actually created my account is is at that point, and you know I knew about it. And uh, in two thousand 
15, 16, I, I started looking for uh, a new job and doing the job hunt thing. And uh, that's not a fun game. Uh, you haven't had to do that, I don't think, Noah, yet. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of boring and tedious. And so uh, I, I just happened across uh, a page on the Roll20 blog that was looking for something that I was looking for. And uh, sent sent my resume over, and and from there it was just it was just kind of luck. But being able to, so I lucked into gaming, right? Like I worked, I lucked into work for gaming. I know I I love it, and I'm now spoiled by it, and I don't know how I would, uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do after gaming, but uh, I'm not looking at, at, at figuring that out. And uh, yeah, I think that because you stumbled upon it, I think that just. I think that means that it, it it's it's good because like because you because you somehow just managed to to come across this and you but you but you found a place that you liked and yeah. you found a place that was important to you so I think that that's awesome and I, I'm very lucky for sure yeah and um, I think that is a great point to, to to move on so do you think it's better to focus on coding if you want to get to this area in the gaming industry Ooh, um, I think that it takes a whole lot more than code to do games but when you're actually building games you know no there's a lot of different ways to do that right and I I think uh, mine is the uh, what I do is the most far removed from actual actual games a lot of the times but I, I got a business degree right like I went to college for, for a business degree and um, I took accounting classes and you know I sat through uh, I sat through a full semester's uh, course on how to use Excel uh, Microsoft Excel which is not a gaming software but it, you know it's important so there's a lot of ways to get to it coding is definitely one uh, I think art is is another one that people don't think about a lot of times of like the four or five different ways you have to build a character for for like a video game or um, creative writing is is another one a lot of the people who develop tabletop role-playing games especially or just tabletop games the story is the thing that that is most exciting so no, I don't think there's one way to do it. I think being yourself and being true to yourself and what you like to do, uh, you'll gravitate towards that. Absolutely. I think that I think that coding is good to have, but mm-hmm. I think that there are definitely many other ways to get into the business, right? I've yeah. talked to um, game writers and uh, game producers, and it's not just coding, which is right. – coding is good. Coding is good. Don't get me wrong. But I think that there's other ways. Like, everything that you need isn't just coding. You need artists, you need writers, you need people right. to overlook it all. You need testers, you need all that stuff. So I think coding is is important, it's detrimental to the game if you don't have coding. But it's not, it's the thing that houses everything else, mm-hmm. but it's not the it's it's not you can't just use coding, right? So I see that Roll Twenty has over eight million users, and do you over see nine it grow- million now? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta fix my facts, but um, <laughs> you're good. But uh, do you see it growing uh, more over the next few years, and how? 
Uh, yeah, I definitely see growth. We were really lucky, the, the company as a whole, and we were really happy to provide a um, socially distanced way to still interact and, and uh, engage with your friends, right? Especially over 2020 and, and 2021 with a global health emergency of, of COVID, right? Like a lot of people had to reevaluate how they were interacting and um, we were really happy that we got to provide that to a lot of people. And so there was a lot of growth. There's a lot of growth that we've had for a long time, right? Like I, like I said, we're approaching 10 years old. And, and at, at 10 years old, we expect to be even bigger than, than 9 million right now. That's one of the key things that we're really digging into is like, what, what are the ways that we optimize um, to make it easier for people who join and want to play but don't necessarily have everything that they need to play right now, uh, whether that's other group members or, or someone to run the game or um, the knowledge or the information. All of those things are, are important to us and we're, we're constantly working on, as well as and where my focus really is right now is making the, the core feature set, I'll say more intuitive, right? Uh, as I said, there's complexity built into it, but like putting the complexity in the spots where you need to make those decisions, um, which is a really fun puzzle. And it's, it's a lot of fun to, to work with in that. I think you guys are already doing a great job. So, uh, and I can't Thanks. wait to see to see more. So what are some of your favorite games to play? I love to play, like, as, as I mentioned, I love to play Blades in the Dark. That's a really fun game for me. It's a perfect mix of like, uh, I'll say crunch and narrative, right? Like rolling the dice and doing math and figuring out if it worked versus uh, just telling the story and the rule of cool. And I want to, I want to do this thing. Can I do this thing? Oh yeah, you can totally do that thing. That's amazing. So I, I love to play Blades in the Dark. I, I like to play uh, Powered by the Apocalypse systems, which are, um, it's it's like you roll two d six, and so you get this really interesting bell curve or, or around the math results, where like you're more likely to just succeed, but every once in a while you succeed amazingly and every once in a while you fail horribly, no matter how good you are in the game. In video games, I love Titanfall 2. I think Titanfall 2 is the, the one of the best games uh, that's ever come out. I love to play Titanfall 2 and there's a whole bunch of drama around like hackers and messing up the respawn servers and uh, oh boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Video game drama is the best kind of drama, isn't it? But first-person shooters are fun for me. Um, I don't like to do really puzzly games when uh, when I'm in my free time. Uh, you know, I, I, my my whole my whole life is puzzly games in really complex ways, and so uh, click at the other players is is a lot of fun. So don't judge me for this, but I'm a junk rat main on um, Overwatch, uh, and. Um, yeah, I'm Apex judging. Legends. Oh, I know you are. I, know, I always say, "Don't judge me." Then, then people uh, do. Uh, that's really funny, actually. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's that's interesting. Junkrat <laughs> is interesting. I don't know what to think of that. I mean, we can talk. We can we can dive into it. The topic's open. <laughs> if you want to talk about it, let's talk. About it. All right, sure. So, um, why do you why do you made him? Uh, I I love not direct right like you the the uh bank shots and like hitting uh hitting around the corners and stuff like that and i like that i don't have to be accurate and and honestly like this this is why i don't like to be like let me play with you one time before you're like he's a terrible person 
because I, I stick with the group. And, you know, the whole reason why he's supposed to be there is to, like, disperse the other team so that uh, DPS can, can uh, like, pick off the other shots and, like, they break break the shields. And, yeah, that's that's his that's what he's there for. The real fun is, like, the self-sacrificial stuff of, like, okay, we're not... We're not getting through this choke point. I'm going to use a use the the mine, right, and pop myself over and drop a whole bunch of other mines and disperse the people and let the team come through, right? Like I may die, but I'm going to do that, run away, and come back to the healer to to get their uh, ult. I don't know. That's why. I the other thing that I love to do, and probably my favorite way to play Overwatch is with a like the environmental kills. Oh, those are so much fun. So Farah uh, flying up above on Farah and like using her. Uh, I forget what it's called, but the the boop rocket, right? Uh, and blowing people off the edge. Oh, so much fun! That's that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Roadhog. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, McCree and Hanzo. Okay. Um, so, uh, and I just enjoy um, just um, long range shooter type mm-hmm. characters, and I yeah, yeah that's just me. I, I, I think I like McCree for just the fact that he can kind of run in, just flashbang and shoot some people up. And Hanzo because um, I just like Hanzo. I don't know. I, I like his playstyle. He has yeah. a, a, a lot of cool abilities. and um, He's got the really specific tools that if you if you figure out when to use them, you're nearly unstoppable, right? Yeah. Um, but th- yeah, that, that learning curve is, is like a... Um, like a V, I feel like. Like at first, if you're playing like low level Hanzo, you can do just fine. And then as you start to learn all the tools, you're doing really bad. But then you get to know the tools, and it's like, oh yeah, I got this. I love I love to wait for a Hanzo to do their deflect and just sit there and look at them. And like, well, I can't do anything. You can't do anything. We're just gonna sit here, friends, and uh, wait for that to be over. Yeah. So, um, final question i guess um what do you want my audience to know that i haven't asked you already that if you ever get an email from noah asking you to be on the podcast absolutely do it honestly and uh this was a lot of fun it was a good way to spend a a saturday morning thank you so much for having me on and go uh go get a free account at roll 20 and and, uh bring your friends to to play some tabletop role-playing games that's what i want them to know (laughs) yeah and um with that being said, we are at the end of the episode. So thank you so much, Kenton, for coming on. Um, this has been a thank great you, experience. Noah. Yeah, I appreciate it. Kenton, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm so glad we were able to discuss tabletop gaming, but even more importantly, how people can take sometimes less direct path into the gaming world. For those listening, please make sure you follow Kenton and Roll20 on, their, on all of their social media platforms and their mobile app. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Gamer Story Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, you can reach me directly at thegamestory.com. Thanks for listening.